Welcome to the Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli, along with my friend Barry Schuster, the founding editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. How you doing, Barry? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks very much for asking. I'm looking forward to talking to our special guests today and finding out how they got in the restaurant business, why they got in the restaurant business, and hearing some pearls of wisdom from them uh, that be useful to our, our listeners today. Absolutely. And we're going to have some fun because we've got a really good show lined up. So uh, grab a drink, make yourself comfortable, and welcome to the Corner Booth. Well, Barry, we've got a real special guest on this week's Corner Booth. Uh, we're very, very pleased to have Johnny Caraba in the studio. Johnny Caraba, as everyone knows, is uh, an industry icon with the creation of Caraba's wonderful Italian food. Um, he has now gone on to create some other concepts. We're going to try to pick your brain and learn a little bit about your commitment to our industry. And, and uh, I'm sure our listeners are in for a treat. Uh, Johnny, welcome. Thank you, Chris. It's always good to be with you. Yeah, Johnny, Mary. it's just a delight to meet you. Uh, you know, Chris, uh, you, you go back with uh, with Johnny a ways, and uh, uh, could you kind of lead us into uh, his interesting background and and you know some of our maybe some of our younger listeners uh, may not be familiar with Johnny as uh, some of our established operators who. Uh, uh, certainly are familiar with his uh, name and his concepts. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm not sure if Johnny even remembers, but I, I remember the first time we met, the initial Carabas on Kirby was under construction. I can't tell you how many years ago that was now. Uh, that, 30, that, that would be 33. Oh, yeah, yeah. So 33 years ago, right here in Houston, Texas, uh, with Damien Mandola, yeah. your uncle, uncle. Uh, and uh, Johnny were putting together a good quality but casual environment uh, pizza, pasta, limited menu Italian restaurant. And uh, so that's where we first met. But I think Johnny starts uh, sooner than that, uh, working in Uncle's restaurants. And I think he'll tell us a little bit about how he got started. Most people might know that the first time they saw the Caraba sign could have been years later due to expansion, partnership with the Blooming Brands. I think we'll learn a little bit about that today. I'm also very interested in all of the years I've noticed uh, Johnny's way of operations have always stayed committed to hospitality, development of people, and consistency of food. And so that's that's uh, uh, those are the things that uh, that I've known, and I think a lot of people have come to appreciate. So maybe you can fill in a few blanks of how you got started for us. Well, I'm, I tell you, I, I really wanted to go to school to be an accountant. Um, I was raised in a neighborhood grocery store. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandfather had started it. Um, my dad was the butcher. My grandmother was the cashier. And I'm talking about neighborhood grocery store on the eastern side of Houston. And, you know, not to categorize or profile, but, you know, our kind of people, we run a business. And that's what my grandfather and my dad did. And then with time, my dad ended up taking over the grocery store. Uh, it was a grocery store where people had, like, credit. You know, they come in and sign the book. My dad mm -hmm. would cash their check every Friday. They'd pay their bill. Um, but then when my dad took it over, my dad was still the butcher and then my mother became the cashier. Mm -hmm. So I was raising that neighborhood deal, but there was something about, I really wasn't much of a student, but when I went to St. Thomas High School, I had an accounting class and I really enjoyed accounting. Okay. 
Okay. And I saw my dad at the grocery store doing accounting, you know, putting all the receipts in a cigar box. I'm sure there was a reason for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, and, and, and I'm a kind of an organizational freak, and I just always wanted to kind of do things the right way, and I really enjoyed uh, <clears throat> the accounting class, if I enjoyed any class at school besides that and lunch. And um, But then I think really... I'm going to give you a lesson right off the bat. It was when I'm graduating from high school. I'm getting ready to go to college. I had an Uncle Ciro call me. Dear Uncle Ciro Lampazis. His son has Ciro's on I-10. Yes. And this is uh, not to say that we're not good uncles now, but this is back when uncles were really, you know, uh, engaged. And he goes, Johnny goes, you're getting ready to graduate. What are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to go to college, Uncle Ciro. And I said, I want to be an accountant. And he goes, really? I can't see you being an accountant. And I said, oh, I love it. You know, I said, uh, do kind of well in that class. I think I made a C plus, so that was really good for me in the accounting <laughs> class. And he, and he goes, why do you want to do that? And I said, well, I said, I have a friend of mine, and this is going back over 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. I said, my friend's dad worked for a big eight accounting firm, Arthur Anderson, and he made $225,000 last year. And he stopped me, he goes, boy, <laughs> do never do anything for the money. Do something because you love it and the money will follow. So that was really my first lesson. But going good through lesson. college, I, I, mm-hmm. I had a really good opportunity to go back to my high school mm-hmm. and coach football and baseball. Uh, but then I also had these three uncles, Vincent, Tony, and Damian Mandola. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were in the restaurant business. And uh, naturally, you know, well-known restaurateurs here in Houston. And they'd always call me, Johnny, we need a bartender, we need a waiter. Well, and that's really how I got in my blood. Uh, even though I flunked out of college after six years, mm-hmm. uh, I'm still a little bit upset with my parents for cutting me off. Well, uh, you know, you gave it a shot. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 18 hours short, but I'll tell you one thing. I was almost an accountant. It's a decent plan B, though, I will have to say. <laughs> yeah, it, it all it's, 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 it seems to be working out, I think. At times, I don't know if it's working out. But, yeah, so that's really, I was very fortunate. And then finally, I got a lucky break. Um, I was uh, shucking oysters at Tony Mandola's Blue Oyster on Gulf Freeway, waiting tables. And my mm-hmm. uncle comes in and said, I just signed a new lease. Uh, I want you to be the general manager. And I was like 24 years old, 23. And I said, Uncle Tony, I said, you know, I'm like really flattered. I said, but... I don't even know how to wait tables yet, really, basically. He goes, oh, I, I think you have what it takes, and uh, I need family there. And he did me a huge favor. He uh, got the restaurant ready for me, and I really didn't see a whole lot of him after that. And, and I treated it like it was mine, because I had I had been around my parents' grocery store, you know, and I knew about, you know, ownership, I guess, and, mm-hmm. and being part of a of a neighborhood business. And uh, and then the, the, the real break came when Damien had Damien's on Smith Street, great restaurant, still a great restaurant, mm-hmm. and he would drive home down Shepherd, uh, where the Blue Oyster Bar number two was, and um, he came in one night and said, I just got back from New York, and he started really painting me a picture of what he wanted to do, and then he asked me if I wanted to do it, and I was very confused and perplexed, I guess, because he was, and I say the word flattered again, I was very flattered, because one of my uncles who I really looked up to, you know, wanted me to go in business with him, but I didn't know if I wanted to let my uncle know that I was might be leaving him and going to work for his brother, my other uncle. <laughs> but then that's when we uh, got on this mission of um, the little Carabas on Kirby Drive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's that's how I got into, as I know, you know, ownership, own, own, owning a, a restaurant. Hey, Barry, I think this is a good time to take a moment so we can say thank you to those that actively support the independent restaurant operator, like today's sponsor, Benny Keith Food Company. 
I don't know if you realize this, but it's been over 100 years or so that they've been offering many, many different products, uh, food, services, and equipment. This is the reason why they're known as the home of the independent restaurant operator. Uh, because they believe in the strong success of the restaurant operator, they offer assistance with management, inventory solutions, menu planning, item costing, and more. So to our listeners, I'd say if you'd like to learn a little bit more about how the professionals at Ben E. Keith can help you and your restaurant succeed and grow, just contact them, 832-652-5888, or visit them on uh, the website, bennykeith.com slash food slash host. You did become an accountant, but, you know, as we talk to our our readers and our members and listeners, we stress the importance of knowing your numbers. Um, are you still a numbers guy? Have you been a numbers guy? And if so, has that been a, a big part of your success? Well, yeah, I'm a numbers guy. Um, I don't run my business because of numbers, and we can talk about that and you know later. Sure. Um, I think you have to be real careful letting numbers run your business. You know, you let your heart and mm-hmm. you know your fundamentals run the business. Um, but yeah, I like I I I, uh, I like numbers, and 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 I think the point that I like to make right now is that there's a lot of restaurants out there that are owned you know by chefs or whatever, and they they get the food part of it. They might get the hospitality part of it, but what they don't really understand is it's a business. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, 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 yeah. I, I think you have to you have to be well rounded. If you want to own your restaurant, you have to be well rounded. Yes, the fundamentals of our business, and we'll talk about it. But you know, my fundamentals are food, service, cleanliness, mm-hmm. atmosphere, and ambiance, and we must have high morale. Well, high morale is, I don't really worry about high morale because that's a byproduct of winning. If I execute my food service cleanliness, atmosphere and ambiance, but there's another proponent, another another part of that is that you better know the numbers. And Chris Sullivan, who's one of my mentors that I really look up to, one of the founders of Outback Steakhouse, he always says a really easy business, but hard. He goes, but you buy food, you cook food, you serve food, and you get money to the bank. So getting money to the bank is, you know, is important. But knowing where you stand, you know, and, and I think people kind of forget that, you know, it's it. Uh, you need a report card every month, and you need to perform. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a numbers oriented guy. In those early years of developing Carabas, you went from one to two. Um, could you talk a little bit about the initial expansion? How did your role and responsibility change, if it did at all, from you know, GMing hands-on well, one unit to expansion of the brand? Well, I think that's an interesting question, Chris, because I didn't, I never dreamt of number two. Damien, who's only six years older than me, um, who's played a very influential you know role in my life, he was the visionary. So his brainchild was this Carabas deal. And he's had several other brainchilds, but I was the sweat. I was the guy that was running it. He ran Damien's, I ran Carabas, but he painted me such a beautiful picture. But when I open up the original Carabas, naturally I'm, I'm working, um, I hate to tell you all this, but I'm working over hundred hours a week. Ouch. Um, and, 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 and I can tell you all the truth. But anyhow, so 
I thought that, you know, coming from my, my immigrant ways, my Sicilian immigrant ways, and I said this about the grocery store, sure. I, we ran one grocery store, yeah. then you hand it off to your children. Mm -hmm. I thought that this one little Carabas restaurant that was only 3,000 square feet, yeah. I thought that that was gonna be my life. I thought that was gonna be my life for ever. Mm -hmm. Damien called me up one day, we're about a year old, and he goes, Johnny, he goes, um, this Caraba deal has legs. I didn't know what having legs meant. It means it can travel, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Industry term. Industry term, but I didn't know it at the time. I was 27 years old, but I didn't really know much about the restaurant business mm -hmm. per se, but he said, I think this Caraba deal has legs. So reluctantly, I called Mr. Ed Wolf, God rest his soul, he just passed yeah. away about six months ago. Yeah. And I said, Mr. Wolf, I said, Damien wants me to find another location. The reason I wasn't thinking that way was because of my immigrant ways. You know, not that I'm an immigrant, but you know, I still right. have those, those beliefs. But I didn't know where I was gonna find the time. I mean, I was going from eight in the morning to the, I, I was the, basically the only one with the keys to the shop. I didn't know where I was gonna find the time. And Mr. Wolf, I said, well, give me two weeks to think about this. You know, he goes, demographically, you can't be too close to the original. You can't be too far away. I didn't even know what the word demographically meant. Well, he calls me back an hour later. Johnny, he called me Johnny Boy. Johnny Boy, I got it. I said, what do you have, Mr. Wolf? I didn't care if he ever called me you know, again. I didn't want another location. He said, the corner of Woodway and Voss. Mm -hmm. I said, Mr. Wolf, with all due respect, I said, man, that's a really bad locations. There's been like four restaurants go broke there mm -hmm. in 15 years. He goes, oh no, Johnny boy, there's been five restaurants go broke in 13 years. I said, why do you want me to go? Why do you want me to go there? And he threw out this word demographically, that's uh -huh. zip code 770567724. Oh, great. But anyhow, we, well, we opened it up and uh, we've been there 31 years now. Mm -hmm. And uh, Damien was right. Mr. Wolf was right. Uh, but I have a secret weapon over there. You know, uh, mm -hmm. my, my parents were just retiring from the grocery store business and uh, I asked my mother, I said, mom, her name is Rosie. I said, mom, would you mind uh, poking your head in at that restaurant every once in a while just to kiss babies and hug people? Mm -hmm. And she's been there 31 years doing that. And she's wow. made a, what I think is not really that great of a location. She's made it into a fantastic location. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to it's not always about the location, it's about the people that are running it. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mother and her staff have done a really good job. So that's how the second location happened. Um, I wasn't really that excited about opening it up, but now I'm, you know, it's the and right that, thing. And, and is that when it kind of took you into the mode of, of, uh, of you not being able to just do everything yourself, open, close, and run it? Because you had to bounce between the I, two? Yeah, Chris, I had to I had to learn that the hard way of letting go. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I would have to say I'm a control freak. You know, nobody does it better than me, but not really so much that like nobody can do it better than me. But I just love to have my arms around everything. Sure, right. And uh, I tell you what, it did prove to me. Yeah, I did have to let go. I put a, a young man that worked with me named Marty Reichenthal, who's one of my heroes in the in this industry. Start off as me as a waiter, and then he went over there. Um, I think what it did, it proved to me that, you know, you, you have to trust people, mm -hmm. but you have to make sure that they're following the fundamentals that you have set up. And that's what Marty, what Marty did. And I think that gave me, uh, it gave me a lot of a, a sense of accomplishment. I said, you know what? I have a good foundation yeah. that I, not to say I wanted to grow anymore, <clears throat> but it gave me a good, um, 
it gave me confidence. You know, I, I started believing in myself. Hey, man, you know what? We do know what we're doing. You know, this mm -hmm. we do have a good foundation. We do have good fundamentals. This thing, you know, um, even though it was hard, it, 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 I, I would have to just repeat myself for the third time. It was a sense of accomplishment for me, you know? May we say that was the point where you started working on the business rather than so much in the business? Uh, I, well, yeah, that's a good point, Perry. Yeah, I mean, I've always worked in the business, yeah. but uh, that's when I really realized that uh, standardizing everything, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and following a, a regimen, you know, um, you know, game plan, um, I, you know, I thought we've always been like a little bit on the cutting edge of being organized, mm -hmm. but I think that really, that really uh, uh, enforced that things have to be done a certain way to be consistent. And yeah, we, we put out some bad meals here or there, but I think that I think that if, if uh, my number one compliment that I really appreciate is when somebody says you're very consistent. Uh, I was very blessed also though, Barry, is that Damien Mandola, my uncle, uh, he was great with food and, and he was a, a, a cutting edge ahead of his time with uh, having really solid recipes, mm -hmm. solid ingredients, solid yeah. recipes. I really believe that uh, the same people doing the same things over and over again builds camaraderie, but it also builds uh, that, that consistent, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that consistent product. Um, Including plate cloths, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, we, we, yeah, if, and, 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 and you know, these these restaurants that have like a, a different cook every three months working at a, a different station every mm -hmm. two months uh, with a different kitchen manager every six months, the, uh, they're never going to be real consistent. Uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to jump to I'm going to jump to something right now. You know, mm -hmm. with the you know we have other restaurants, but the two Carabas, one's 33 years old on Kirby, the one on Voss, I've already mentioned, is 31 years old. We have roughly 220 employees. Uh, 122 of them have been with me 10 years or longer. Wow. And so that's unheard of in the restaurant business, but I have five people that have been with me 33 years. I have uh, numerous people that have been there 30, 25, and I, 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 uh, I, I really believe in, in holding my team together, you know, and, I, and I, I use a lot of sports analogies. Right. But, you know, if I have a different quarterback every year, in a different center, you know, every year, sure. in a different coaching every year, uh, we're not getting to the Super Bowl. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's teams that really, I'm kind of an old fashioned believer. I like I liked sports a lot better when I was growing up when organizations were very loyal to their players and before free agency and players were very loyal to their team. Um, I'm not saying that things don't work now, but I believe in keeping teams together. And uh, I just think communication gets better and, uh, Consistency is everything, you know. Well, and what I'm hearing, and I hope the listeners are making a point of, is how well this puzzle fits together if you do it right. You you talked about after that second unit, you know, you brought in a key person. It helped you to learn that success was sort of that balance. You, you need to trust key people, but you need to put your faith in the system. Um, and I guess if you've got trust Faith, you've got respectability in people, um, then you are going to be able to be more consistent. And uh, and then maybe it isn't that big of a surprise that you can actually have an environment that people want to stay. Because to your point, not many restaurants can boast that kind of a low turnover number. And retention is amazing. And if I'm hearing you correctly, 
the intrinsic rewards that you're offering, teamwork, sense of family, were as important to your staff as how much they were making and their benefits. Am I getting it? I, um, all of that, you know, is, is everything you're mentioning is, is, is all, you know, so true. You know, I, I learned this, I, I think I had it, but I, I kind of, it kind of got reinforced. Uh, I just spent a couple of weeks ago, I spent a couple of days with Chris Sullivan, like I said, the founder of Outback. And uh, one thing he kept on talking about is ownership. People have to feel a sense of ownership. And that's what I really uh, feel like you have to do. It, it doesn't make a difference if it's a saute cook, a grill cook, or a manager or, or, or a managing partner. You know, you have to let them know what you expect, be okay. crystal clear in, in your expectations. And, uh, but then I think you have to trust them and they have to feel as if they're a part of it. So there's a bond. Uh, I mean, I, I could, I'm an emotional person. I could get, I get emotional every time I talk about my people. Mm -hmm. You know, like my, my head chef at the original Carabas has been with me since day one. He started off as a dishwasher. His name is Roberto Terrell. And um, I can't really talk about him without getting emotional because that guy has laid his life on the line for me and my family. Mm. Uh, and I think I've done good for him sure. and his family. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you start looking at your people, uh, they, and I'm not the easiest guy to work for. You know what I mean? I'm a demanding, you know, it has to be done the right way. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty passionate about what I, what I do. Uh, but they know I have their back. And for a fact, they have my back. And we, and, and I guess the analogy is, you know, we've, we've been to war together. Sure. And you know, the restaurant business could be a, 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 a small little war at mm -hmm. times, as you know, sure. you know, and, uh, but they, but I think the, the, the key to it is, is that they know I have their back, but the, but the key to it is they know I've done it. Mm -hmm. they, right. they know I'm not afraid to work because they've seen me work. And uh, I think jumping a little bit on y'all is that it jumps to the word culture. You know, we built a very strong culture early on and my number one threat is the loss of that culture. You know, well, um, how, how I know was, I'm jumping on you though. No, no, no that's, that's okay. That's, you just brought up, I think, of the next step that maybe really? it'd be good to have you walk through for our listeners is once that basis was set, it sounds like a strong foundation. How was that culture? How was that foundation tested when the purchase slash, I guess, partnership that then reached the large expansion took place? Could you walk well, us through those principles? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, I ne like I said, I didn't want to even want the second location. So, you know, but mm -hmm. then I started having people that, you know, the River Oaks people that had money, so they wanted to invest in us. And I really went interested because I, I pride myself in being family owned neighborhood. And I didn't, I didn't really want to, I never, never went to chain restaurants, didn't like chain restaurants. I didn't think I had the capabilities of being a chain restaurant. And then I started having some restaurant company, but I, I got this phone call from Tim Gannon, one of the founders of Outback, mm -hmm. <clears throat> excuse me. And he said he wanted to come down and talk to me and wanted to bring Chris Sullivan. And I said, if it's about franchising, joint venturing, I'm, I'm not, I'm not there, man. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Uh, we're going to stay family owned. And I've said that a lot of times today because I keep on trying to put that in my head. We're family owned neighborhood restaurants. <laughs> uh, he said, well, it never hurts to talk. He goes, I used to come into your restaurant and uh, really enjoyed it. And I told Chris, we need another growth vehicle 
because they were at about 40 restaurants at the time, mm -hmm. and they were a public company and needed to show some growth. Because, and I told him that I love this place called Carabas in Houston. I reluctantly met with them, and I done I did some research on them, but. Chris Sullivan, Tim Gannon, Bob Basham, the founders of Outback Steakhouse, Trudy Cook Cooper, I have to give, I love her to death. They had the best culture that I have ever seen in my life. They got in partnerships with people. They made people a lot of money. They were very demanding. They were state of the art for that, that sort of restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, and so, the culture, when I got in business with Outback, the culture was never the issue. Because like I said, they had they had great fundamentals also. They had, yes. they, 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 they had principles and beliefs that they had printed up that they believed, you know, their principles and beliefs. And I learned a lot from them, you know, and, and uh, but at the time when we got in business with them, culture was not an issue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, thing, the things changed and uh, we, yeah, but but uh, they 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 were the they were the I think the best at it, uh, you know. And for a small organization, mm -hmm. you know, um, and Barry, you know, I have to be honest. I mean, I didn't know what the word culture meant till the last five or six, seven years. I, I just I just thought that that's just what we do, you know. But now right. the, the word culture is a big word, but I do believe wholeheartedly in it, you know. And 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 I and I I have to repeat myself, man. The loss of culture is my biggest threat. Mm -hmm. You know, but even if you weren't using that term, um, you had this vision of how things are supposed to work in your restaurant. That if you had gone going back in a time machine, you would have realized that was culture you're sure. creating. Just I didn't know what to call it. Right. Exactly. You had you're the, right. You had the practice. You just didn't have the terminology for it. People have always admired, I think, in the industry watching the practice uh, of Carabas and uh, and and that that fit, uh, which we now you know, uh, put a term on, Yeah, but you had that. Uh, so, so now you were with a good group from principles, belief, culture, and obviously you provided that second uh, 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 growth vehicle. Uh, but after a while, I guess you decided uh, to become um, smaller independent again. Can you walk us through that? Well, <clears throat> yeah, I, I wanna move back just a little bit on you, Chris, is, um, <clears throat> Outback was a public company, right. but it was controlled by a really strong CEO, Chris Sullivan. Again, I mentioned his name. Um, and he didn't really listen so much to Wall Street. He was his own person. And he really was, he didn't really listen to a board that much probably. You know, he was he was pretty sure of himself. You know, he had a lot of experience. He was a, a Brinker protege, right. Norman Brinker protege, mm -hmm. Steak and Ale Bennigan's, and he was a Chili's franchisee. For Norman Brinker, and um, but what happened was he got in a little bit of not trouble, but he had he knew the stock wasn't going to move, and he had made promises to his operators with these stock options, and he knew they were worthless. You know, they're going to be worthless for a good time. You know, uh, restaurant stocks were getting hit, sure. and, mm -hmm. and uh, so he he felt bad that he couldn't um, continue with his with his promises. Sure. And it's funny, we had this talk just two weeks ago out in California, loved Ooh. it. And, um, and, uh, and and his podcast I was talking to y'all earlier about is really good to listen to, Chris uh -huh. Sullivan, he had, yeah, and uh, he talked about it. So then what happened was he was, he did it because to save his people, to make sure he, they got their money. Right. And he got in business with a private equity group, Bain Capital out of Boston. Right. 
And um, that's when the kind of game changed. Um, you know, it become a little bit more financial. And um, and, and not to say that the, the, the Carabas growth when, when, when Chris was running out back and I was running Carabas, not to say it was a walk in the park because I, I wasn't used to that kind of business. That's that's big business, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, and, and and it takes thoroughbreds to kind of run companies like that. And and I'm a mom and pop operator. Not to put myself down, but you know, I was a, I thought you know, I'm still a control freak, Barry. Sure. You know what I mean? And so yeah, it, 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 it was it was really hard. And I give you a little story: is that we had a 50/50 joint venture. Chris came to me one day, called me up, hey man, can you get to Tampa? Because that's where the home office was. And I said, sure, I can get to Tampa. I get to Tampa, he goes, man, we can't do this thing 50-50 anymore. He goes, our money's worth more than 50%. And I said, so what do you want to do? He goes, 90-10. I said, you mean my sweat? You know, being on an airplane every day of the week, you know, staying in my favorite little uh, motels mm -hmm. is uh, only worth 10%. He goes, well, what about 80-20? I said, Chris, I said, I'm done. I said, can I get back to my own little world? Mm -hmm. I just want to go back to Houston. Mm -hmm. You know, even though I lived here, I just want to go back to Houston. I want to just get back to my own little world. He goes, no, I can't let you do that. He goes, you know, you're too important to the culture. Damien's too important to the food. So we turned it into a royalty agreement. And then we found a president to run the company. And um, that, that, that changed the dynamic, but you know, if, if I continue to talk, you know, when Bain Capital came in, uh, nothing against Bain Capital, mm -hmm. great company. Uh, it, it became a, a little bit more, less of a love affair. It mm -hmm. became a little bit more of a financial, you know, uh, institution. Okay. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if you've ever listened to Stephen Jobs. He, he got some interesting yeah. things, but yes. he, he, he said, he talked about the evolution of business. And I remember this, businesses are developed by a very passionate visionary right. that believes in great product and their people. You know, or put your people first right. if you want. He goes, but then the next generation is people that are financial. That's the second generation. The third generation is when you mix financial with marketing. And I think, um, that 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 that's a problem in, in 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 most most of our businesses. I mean, I uh, I think you, yeah, we know it's a business. We know you have to get money to the bank, but when you start losing your vision mm -hmm. as far as what you're all about, uh, and that that's when you get in a little bit of trouble. And I've always I made my decision. I guess to answer your question, mm -hmm. you know, in a roundabout way, I, mm -hmm. I answer my question is I had to kind of do some soul searching. Who sure. am I? What am I all about? And I went back to, I'm basically an owner of a one restaurant. And, and I, I got back to Houston and I started concentrating about, you know, on, on what my company's all about. We're a very soulful company. We're a fan, and, and I've said this several mm -hmm. times already, but, but we're a family owned neighborhood restaurant. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way I've, I, that, that's what I enjoy. That's what I have a lot of pride in. And I'm gonna stick to my game plan, you know? Uh, not to say the Outback deal was great. Sure. I mean, I would do it again. <clears throat> would I do some things differently? Hell yeah, I would do some mm -hmm. things differently. I would control the product, number one. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I would control, <clears throat> excuse me, and I'd also would control uh, the, 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 the way the place feels and looks. But uh, I would do it again. Uh, 
but I really know what I enjoy. And I enjoy running restaurants. And I enjoy more than running restaurants. And I really don't want my friends or my customers to hear this. That's not really what I enjoy the most. I enjoy being with my people. Mm -hmm. I love, I swear, my therapy is going into my kitchen. I love that. Yeah. You know, I love that. So well, that's what I want to do. And uh, and again, that well, that fits because early on you were talking about how the, you know, the commitment to people, um, uh, a passion for the business, not so much the numbers of what leads people into doing something right. So it stand to reason then. Okay, so you're back. You're running a small company, two Caravas. Mm -hmm. You're able to go into the kitchen, work with your people, see the successful shifts. Right. Uh, but then it wasn't too much longer after <coughs> that. You created a couple of concepts. Uh, what was well, the storyline there? Well, I, you know, I owned the property on Kirby. Right. The pro there was too much property for one restaurant. And I started having like these big developers coming in wanting to put, you know, skyscrapers on my rest, uh, on my property. And they said, we'll give you the bottom floor to do your restaurant. That all, you know, financially looked kind of good, but mm -hmm. I had to put my land up into the deal, which didn't sound good to me because I don't want to put my land up and gamble, you know, things I've worked hard for. Sure. And, um... I didn't really like the idea after I thought about it. I said, you know, and and uh, I have a uh, a young man that, that's the president of my company named Yu Win, who's been with me 24 years. Uh, he, he's the president of my company. And we started kind of like, you know, talking about it. And I said, you know what? I call him Yui. I said, Yui, I said, we're in the restaurant business. We're not in the developed business. I said, why don't we develop this property into like a little campus into restaurants, you know? And we had a couple ideas that we wanted to do. And uh, the first restaurant, and I had to rebuild the original Carabas because it was old and beat old and up, small. you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, well, it started off as, when, when we bought it, it was a pornographic newsstand. It was an old adult, yeah, adult bookstore. Adult bookstore. It was adult an adult bookstore, bookstore. yeah. Oh, okay. I should have sure. said adult bookstore, <laughs> but it, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> no yeah. problem. That's a politically correct thing <laughs> to say. Statistically speaking. We can edit. And then we <laughs> remodeled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> We remodeled, we added on, we remodeled, and then Kirby was really coming alive. Yes. And I never forget, they cut down some beautiful oak trees we had going up and down Kirby, and I was across the street at Mr. Car Wash. Mm -hmm. And I looked across the street, and this Carabas looked beat up. And I said, man, we have to rebuild the original Carabas, which was a gamble. But then we had this restaurant uh, that I wanted to do uh, in honor of my grandmother, Grace Mandola, who mm -hmm. was responsible for all of our, really our basic food uh, recipes. And so I did a restaurant called Grace's, that's still evolving. Mm -hmm. And then I, uh, I wanted to own, a, I wanted to open up a burger joint. Uh, but then I started seeing that there's too many burger joints okay. out there. Mm -hmm. So I opened up a place called Mia's named after my daughter and it's on the property. I built a four and a half story parking garage. And so it was a big investment for me. Uh, but I was I was gambling on myself. What kind of concept is Mia's? Well, Mia's is uh, you know comfort food. It's a fast casual restaurant. Yeah. I would like to think it's fast casual with 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 uh, a, a lot of service. Uh, but it's um, you know hamburgers. You know we grind our brisket in house. Mm -hmm. um, we have you know uh, red snapper fish tacos. We fillet our fish in house. We have really kind of known for our chicken fried steak and chicken fried chicken with jalapeno cream gravy. Mm -hmm. wow. uh, we have pulled pork sandwiches, kind of fun mm -hmm. food. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a tortilla soup. We have some really nice salads, uh, an Asian salad, but it's kind of like this and that kind of comfort food. Comfort food across different uh, yeah. types of cuisine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have four of them now. And um, yeah, so, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't know I don't know what I'm gonna do with Grace's. I think Grace's might be a, a just a, um, I'd like to open up one more 
but I think it might be a one and done. It's just, uh, you know, it's good and, but it, it I don't know, I'm, I, I probably need therapy from you guys, but um, <laughs> full service restaurants really, it's a dying breed. It's I think taxing. this fast cash is taxing mm -hmm. and the, mm -hmm. And uh, I think most, a lot of them are struggling, but I, I think this fast casual deal is the way to go. So, so it just seems like, it, I'm gonna tell you what happened to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm opening up these restaurants. So, you know, we opened up um, the Mia's first, then we went in, we, we rebuilt the original Carabas, mm -hmm. uh, and then we opened up Grace's. So in that time span, I kind of left Mia's alone. I had to get the Carabas open with my team and I had to go to Grace's. And I went back to kind of get and see what's going on with Mia's because it really wasn't doing great at first. It didn't have an identity, you know? And when I went back into Mia's after being away from it for about a year, you know, I fell in love with it. I, I said, man, this thing, I said, I mean, it's so much easier to run than a, you know, like a, a full service sure. restaurant like Carabas because you don't have the, 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 the manager level, the the bartenders, servers, hostesses. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. it's really cashiers and bussers and cooks. And I'm a kitchen oriented guy, so I said, it's, it's primarily kitchen. Mm -hmm. And I fell mm -hmm. in love with it. And I said, you know what? <laughs> we, we might want to try to get busy again. And that's that's kind of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy the game, you know. Um, I mean, I complain about it. And, you know, there's some days I'm getting in my car and I'm driving to work and say, man, why don't I sell everything and take a year off? Uh, or drop back 15 and punt, but but I really uh, I love the game, you know, and 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 when I think about why do I do it, it's uh, it's for the for my people actually, you know. Mm -hmm. okay. It's really because I, I think you have to show growth to your people and opportunity. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but this Mia's deal is cute, you know, and I have to work really hard there because it's named after my daughter and I don't want to go to her and say, Mia, I'm sorry, but uh, your little restaurant didn't work out. <laughs> she needed need a lot of therapy. Well, you know, it does speak, Fast Casual does speak to a growing uh, clientele that are looking for value. Uh, so as long as there's good product, good environment, reasonable price, they get in, they get out. Uh, I think that's why it's a faster, growing segment. There's a few other things that are coming that are convenience related that maybe you could speak to if you've got opinions on where technology is taking our service level. Kiosk ordering, third-party delivery, uh, uh, grocery stores with prepackaged dinners. Do you see these kinds of things as major competition? Well, it's kind of funny, and I'm glad you brought that up. I'm, I'm the lowest tech person you'll ever meet. The only bit of technology I have is my phone. And that's for two reasons. One of them is I'm you know, not that smart of a guy to really try to understand it all. The other thing is, is that I just try to stay away from technology because I think that too many people are on their phones and their computers instead of, you know, being, we talked about that earlier, being, right, sure. being in front of people, you yes. know, and I want to be a hands-on, face-to-face kind of approachable person. Uh, I can't really get into the kiosk deal Right. I, I, I mean, I, I think it works for airports and things like that. I think people still, I, I still think that we're uh, pack animals. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody, sure. but I still think we love to be touched and, you know, and, and pampered. Uh, so I can't really get into that, but but this this uh, convenience deal with the third party delivery it's, it's here to stay, and I, I want to give you a little lesson or a little story. Mm -hmm. 
Several years ago, Chris Sullivan said, Johnny, you're doing, when I was running the Carapas, he goes, are you doing any, you know, to go business? I said, yeah, we do a little bit at, you know, at the original locations. Mm -hmm. You know, people call, we do it. He goes, well, I want you to really, you know, great, smart guy. He goes, I want you to start paying attention to that. He goes, because these grocery stores are having prepared meals. He goes, and people are looking for convenience. Sure. They're going to want to start having some meals at home, getting back to the way we grew up, having yeah. meals at home. Yeah. Right. And he said, and uh, they're going to want to have meals at home. He goes, but they're not going to cook. He said, people are looking for that convenience. Just look at what grocery stores are, sure. are beginning to do. Well, I really listened to him, and I'm here to tell you is that 20% of my business at the Carabas on Kirby is car side carryout. So he, he, he prompted me to carry it out to the cars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then 22 to 23% of my Woodway Voss location is car side carryout. Okay. Now, I don't think I'll get to it this year, but I wanna, I'm gonna start looking into having our own delivery service. So we're delivering some things, like the bigger orders we'll deliver. Um, and we do third party um, delivery, but I don't really want, I don't like a lot of people touching my customers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and I'm, okay. I'm and, and, and Barry goes back to me being a control freak. It's the management of the brand. Yeah, and you know, that's interesting because that is an option, although because of the expense, you have insurance, you're hiring staff, you have to have vehicles and so forth. Uh, a lot of operators shy away from that, but um, do you think that that's going to become more predominant in terms of the delivery space where the operators are going to say, I'm not, I'm not going to put my food in a uh, DoorDash car. I'm going to, when it gets, shows up at your doorstep, it's going to be delivered by somebody who is part of my culture and knows exactly what I want. I, I mean, that's what I'd like to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, and, and nothing against the DoorDashes or Amazons, whoever are out there, but <clears throat> but I, I just, um, we have standards, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, we put a lot of pride in the way our people look. Um, I like to talk to somebody about what they want. I mean, you know, or, or you know, an online order is okay, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I think too many people touching your product and, and touching your customers. I think it's, I think, I, I, I'm not really, I'm not having bought into it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I'm answering your question. You, you but, absolutely yeah. are, and, and, and <clears throat> in a very Excuse interesting me. way. I mean, we've talked to people, we've talked to a lot of operators about third-party delivery. Um, it's controversial for all the reasons that everybody here is well aware: the cost, the you having other people who are touching your food that are not part of your restaurant. Um, there's a lot of uh, controversy and concern over it. Um, but of course, everybody says the same thing, and we all agree it's not going away. No, it's it's here to stay. Yeah. It is here to stay. You know, um, people are looking for convenience. Yeah. You know, when we were coming up in the business, you know, you had the martini lunch. You know, the business person coming in, you know, sitting down and wait having... Wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't do that anymore? <laughs> we can't. <laughs> I'm not sure you're going to write it off on your expense. That's yeah. but, but, but that generation of going out to eat yeah. for business or going out to eat with a family, that's diminishing. Mm -hmm. And the millennials, they really want convenience. They're not. They're not go, like you know. 
they're not going out to eat to have a good time. They just want to eat and they want to go do something a little bit more fun. Right. And so I think it's all what we're talking about is evolution. You know, you have to, I think that's what we've done in our business uh, is that, you know, we've evolved. Uh, you know, when you take 20% or 22% yeah. of your total sales. out the window. Yeah. You know, that, think about if I lost, if, sure. I, if, if maybe sure. if I was ignoring the third party delivery, mm -hmm. I was ignoring the car side carryout yeah. that we do. Sure. Um, then I'm not real sure that we're that viable of a, of a concept. I, I think what you're talking about uh, really is, uh, uh, is a challenge to the listeners on staying relevant because see, you've got a tremendous brand that's been around for over 30 years and some of the things that we're just now talking about are things are bridges you have to cross in order to stay relevant whether it was the car side uh pickup you know of years ago whether it's the direct delivery that you're considering mm -hmm. now because the convenience point that you so well made is has been redefined years ago convenience just meant i was in a hurry i might hit a drive-through window convenience now is defined at every level we want convenience but at better price points, better food from better establishments. So it's good that you're paying that attention. Well, you know what, and, and um, you said relevant, staying relevant. I call it, you know, evolution or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing that I've seen happen with, uh, you know, a lot of fan, or any kind of business, but family owned restaurants is that they get stuck in the mud where they, they want to do it their way. They've been doing it this way for 30 or 40 years, 50 years. I'm going to stay the same. I think that uh, in hindsight, I think uh, evolving, mm -hmm. I think we've, we've, we've done a pretty good job at it. Uh, you know, it's, it's like me knocking down the original Carabas when it was paid for. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. rebuilt a whole new restaurant, bigger, better, faster, whatever. And then I just spent a lot of money on remodeling my... Uh, my mother's location at Woodway at Voss. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm talking about, I completely gutted it and started over. And I had an old friend of mine named Jackie Burke, who's the um, the founder of Champions Golf Club. And he's always talked to me and I always like to listen to older, wiser people. He always said, man, he goes, you always have to stay fresh. He goes, I'm always making changes over here at Champions Golf Club. And then one day I was getting ready to spend well over a million dollars on a remodel. 15, 14 years ago at, at the Voss location. And uh, he wanted to know how it was going. I said, man, I'm spending way too much money. I hope I get my money back. He goes, let me tell you something. He goes, it's gonna come back to you tenfold. He goes, everybody out there is gonna say, have you right. seen the new Carabas? He's gonna give you like a brand new grand opening, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and 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 I think you have to stay relevant. You have to stay fresh, you know? And well, um, is, are your guests driving that? Um, are you keeping your finger on the pulse of what your guests want and need is, is or, or or just general observations of the market? What what uh, what helps you keep a perspective on what you should be doing now and next? Well, if, if you listen to your guest, they they don't want change. You know, they like their mm -hmm. little comfort level. I I, I, I I pay attention, but it's mo mostly a gut feeling because I just know that people now, they want to go to a good looking place. They want to feel good in a place. And uh, even though, you know, some of your favorite restaurants might be 40 or 50 years old and they never change, that's fine and dandy. But I stay, I, I want to stay a, ahead of the curve as far, as far as I want my, I want my younger people to come in and say, man, this is a good look. You know, people are into that. You know what I mean? Like, yes, you know, when, when these young people want to go out, they want to go look, to, they want to go to the cool place. And I think that's why you have to keep, keep, 
And, and th- it means a lot to your customer when they know that you're reinvesting in their restaurant, mm-hmm. you know? And we have a lot of ownership, but our customers really feel a sense of ownership in our restaurants. You know, they've been, we're feeding four do. generations now, sure, Chris. Sure, you know? yeah. yeah, I, I bet believe you do. that. I think that's well put. I think, because change is something that could be read negative, but improvement, modifying, reinventing, the things that you were just talking about, that's keeping the core of the business and just helping to elevate and maintain relevance. Uh, that's so, yeah. so that's Chris, a different thing. Chris, listen, every time that I want to put a change anything, the customer gets really, they question me. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them because they have that sense of this mm-hmm. is my place. <laughs> and I love that. But every time we do it, I'm telling you, they come back and say, man, great job. Thank you for doing this. I think it's a sign of commitment. You made my experience a little better. That's yeah. what they're really saying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Johnny, but I listen to you very carefully. And so correct me if I'm, I am, but, um, for our listeners, you know, you say you're a, you know, one restaurant guy, you're, you're the guy who wants to run the one family restaurant. Yeah. And what I'm hearing, and I hope our listeners are picking up on this too, is that regardless whether you have one restaurant or 10 or 20 or a thousand, you're going to win and lose at the unit level. Oh yeah. Am I getting it? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, 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 it's really, I, I know I'm, I'm, uh, talk a lot about Damien and Chris Sullivan a lot, but those are my two guys that really, you know, molded, molded my career. Um, Chris Sullivan just always said it's, 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 it's one plate of food at a time. Mm-hmm. It's one customer at a time. It's, it, it, it you, yeah, you're exactly right, Barry. I mean, you got it. It, it, it's a, you can't think about the big unit, you know, the, the, the big unit. You can't think about the, 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 unit, the restaurant as a unit. Mm-hmm. You got to think of it from each transaction. And I, 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 I had a meeting yesterday with my hostesses and I talked to them about the importance of, of every phone call. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I want to pick up the phone within three rings. I hope that happens, but I want I want to, you know, answer the phone with a smile. But every phone call, and, and I know I'm going way down for sure. you, but Every mm-hmm. phone call is so important. Every frozen plate with a salad on it is so important because people notice restrooms, you know, clean. People notice every little attention to detail that you do. Mm-hmm. But you have to dissect it all the way down to each and every. I call it transaction is not the right word. But touch point. Every t- every touch mm-hmm. point, Barry. Okay. I mean, it's 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 everything matters. You know. Sure. Uh, you know. We talked about technology earlier. Uh, I'm old-fashioned. I want I want to talk to somebody on the phone, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I want to and, and I want to be accommodating. Well, Johnny, the points you've made today are on target for any restaurant operator. I think the experiences you share are are uh, are tremendous advantage to every listener. As a matter of wrap up, what we'd like to do is just ask you a few things. We call them the Fay Five. We've got five things just to let the listeners learn a little bit more about you that might just be favorites of yours. Yeah, and ready I, to go? I haven't I haven't seen the questions, so I'm just gonna fire just fire away off the top right. of my head. Well, the first one would be uh, your favorite food item. When you just want to have a go-to comfort thing, what's your favorite go-to food item? Well, I know you're gonna think that it's you know a, a plate of spaghetti with you know some slow cooked you know. Meat and like my grandmother or used to cook. Good to know something. I'm ready. <laughs> but yeah. you know, and, and 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 so many things come to my mind right now. But I, I love a cheese enchilada. You know, Tex-Mex cheese enchilada. But go. but 
somebody asked me what would be my last meal, and I would uh, I always tell them, you know, fried chicken, black eyed peas, mashed potatoes, and a, a nice hot piece of cornbread. That's there my you go. That, that, that's my comfort food. Okay, as you can tell, <laughs> and that's probably the true definition of comfort food. Right, yeah, I'm fried chicken. That. So, um, your places to visit. You've, you've traveled, and uh, you know what places did you really like, and would look forward to going back to again. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, I'm 100% Sicilian, so mm -hmm. I love Sicily. Mm -hmm. I love Italy, naturally. Sure. Um, every, and everybody would think that I would say spaghetti and meat, you know, with a meat sauce would be mm -hmm. my favorite meal. Everybody would think Italy would be my favorite meal. And I have to say, I love New York. I, yeah, love, Man I love Manhattan. Yeah. Well, well, there's just such a certain buzz there. Yeah. There's also a lot of good food there. And that's uh, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. It's a great city. Yeah. So when you're not in uh, one of your restaurants, what would be a favorite restaurant to go visit? Yeah, you're going to get me in trouble with that question, Chris. I know. Um, <laughs> probably have more than one. Well, you get me in trouble. Um, I'm a... I'm a there's a little restaurant on uh, on Memorial Drive at Westcott, and a young lady by the name of Shandy owns it. I know it. And it's not like you know where I'm gonna go on you know date night or nothing like that. Oh, but when, when, but 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 I I really love her consistency. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean. Are you talking about in Houston? It could be anywhere. anywhere. Oh, my favorite restaurant really is a, is a is a restaurant in Florence called Cingali Bianco. And a, a guy by the name of Massimo and his son Marco run it. Mm -hmm. I send people there all the time. That's my favorite restaurant Let's in the go. world. Because it's it's a is it yeah, it's great, beautiful food, but the hospitality. I go there, you know, generally I used to go there every year. Mm -hmm. Um I send people there. I go there to learn about hospitality. These people are the best. And and I have people all the time call me, Johnny, give me the name of that restaurant. And they go there and they, every uh, one of my people that I send there, mm -hmm. they are made to feel at home. So yeah, that's my my favorite restaurant in the world. And the cuisine pretty representative of the regional cuisine? Oh yeah, very Tuscan. You know, it's in Florence. And sure. so it's, you know, very Tuscan, but uh, food's great. Wow. It's the hospitality that makes the food taste even better. Yeah, but that, that, I'd like to say that. Perfect. And uh, talk about a person, uh, somebody who's influenced you greatly. You talked about your uncle, um, you know, uh, and wow, what, what great advice he gave you as a young man. Uh, um, and he may be your, your greatest influence, but is there anybody else that uh, really uh, you've looked up to who's been what we call a mentor or somebody who's well, been a source of inspiration? That's an easy question. <clears throat> my, my my parents mm -hmm. played a big role, you know, through their hard work, you know, and um, they set a good example for me about, you know, hard work. Mm -hmm. um, when I coached at St. Thomas High School, I did that for a couple of years. My coaches taught me a lot about fundamentals and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I have a, an uncle of mine. He's my godfather named Rocco. <laughs> Can you imagine? Sicilian guy with a, a godfather named Rocco. <laughs> Rocco Vallone, um, he spent a lot of time with me when I was a younger guy because my dad was always working. Uh -huh. My dad was a my dad's a wonderful father, but my uncle Rocco, you know, introduced me to golf and and he was always in my head. Uh, he treated me like his, his son. He didn't have a son. He has two daughters, but I would say my uncle Rocco played a big role in my life. 
Um, I give you like one little example. He always explained to me that knowledge is very powerful. Mm -hmm. When you put knowledge, which builds confidence, that's a wonderful thing. He said, but none of it is as powerful as enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Enthusiasm can't hardly be beat. And so that's what I preach to my kids, you know? But he, he was always in my, without preaching to me, he was always giving me really good advice. Um, you know, he's a guy from Houston, Texas. He got to be a vice president of Buckingham Corporation in Manhattan. Um, he also he also was very methodical. He's very clean, organized. You know, every golf club had to be clean. Everything had to have a component. And that's the way I kind of feel. Mm-hmm. You know, his closet was always mm-hmm. organized. And I think that you have to kind of be like that way in business. But he taught me a lot, a lot about uh, just business. You know, he, he gave me... Um, he, he always told me, man, you know, you have to have confidence in yourself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the way you have confidence, you know, the way you have confidence is, is that you do the right thing and you perform. Advisement. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wise you know? words. Yeah. I think there's one more. Is there a particular book or maybe a passage that you like to live by or you like your key people to practice? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of books. I think there's one book that always comes to my mind. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Danny Myers in New York. Okay. And um, his book, Setting the Table, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I've bought, you know, three, 400 copies of it. I've passed it out to all the managers across the country. Uh, there's one thing that I love in that book. And uh, he, 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 he describes the difference between gatekeepers and agents. Either you have gatekeepers or you have agents. Gatekeepers are people that tell you what you can't do can't do this. No, I can't take that reservation. No, I can't do this. No, you can't do that. They're rule makers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're, and and and, uh, and the way I always put it is I don't like a matter of fact type attitude. Mm-hmm. I don't want my people to be matter of fact. But then he talks about agents. And I think that that gatekeeper analogy with agents, you want your company to be full of agents, people that are on the same mission that you're on. Uh, I, I think that would be a lot of books come to mind, Chris. Yeah. But I, I like that book. But it, that's a perfect it's example. It's a classic. Yeah. yeah, that's a classic example. And that's one thing that sticks in my head. Sure. You know, sure. sure, absolutely. Well, Johnny, thank you so much. We can't thank you enough for taking your time, sharing uh, your wisdom and your story to influence all of our listeners. Uh, this has been a fantastic, uh, fantastic corner booth. You're welcome back anytime. Oh, I'd love it. Thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Johnny. Thank you, Barry. Chris, always good, man. And thanks again to all our friends at Benny Keith Food Company for sponsoring us here at the Corner Booth. They're the home of the independent restaurant operator because they believe in your success. If you're interested in learning more about how their products, services, and other value-added items can help you grow and succeed, please contact them, 832-652-5888, or visit them on the web, bennykeith.com food host. Hey, thanks for joining us today on The Corner Booth. Until next time, it's Chris Tripoli and Barry Schuster saying thanks so much. Hope to see you again soon right here in The Corner Booth. Till then, go make it a good shift. <laughs>